Now, we will continue this morning uh, in our study on the book of Exodus. We are on Exodus 20, and we're going to take a few Sundays uh, speaking about Exodus chapter 20. And the message last week was a perfect 10. Ten commandments. Those were the original that were given by God to Moses. But we also learned that none of us will be able to obey perfectly all of the commands. And if that is the question, if God gave us commands and we are not able to obey those commands completely, then why did, give us the, why did God give us the commands anyway, right? That's a logical question. Well, we found out last week that why, do we, why should we obey the commands? Well, number one, we set apart, we distinguish ourselves as God's people because we believe in one God, triune God, but one nonetheless. And I shared with you about our pastor to Nepal, Radio Zundas, who in his testimony had 333 million gods. So they had a God for everything. But a God who follows one God is set apart, distinguished. Secondly, when we obey the commandments, we prove that we love God. God's love language, so to speak, is obedience. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And my commands are not burdensome. So our, the commands that God gives us is really for our benefit. Because as we obey the commands, God has promised blessing. Now we don't run after the blessing. We obey God because we love God. And it is just in God's economy, in His nature, in His grace, that as we obey Him, He would even bless us. And thirdly, we become effective witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. When people see how God has been changing us and continues to change us from glory to glory to glory, then we silence the mouths of the critics. Because truth be told, there are a lot of professing Christians out there, right? Whom you cannot even distinguish anymore because they have decided to go with the flow. And you know only live fish swim upstream. Dead fish, they just follow the current. And we want to be God-glorifying, God-fearing, God-loving disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Now, we can't follow a perfect 10, but God gave us these commandments so that to show us how sinful we really are. And in the process of revealing our sinfulness to us, we yearn, we desire for a Savior. And that Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. The commandments are supposed to point to our need for a Savior. And that Savior came on Christmas Day. That Savior was crucified on Good Friday. But because he is God, on the third day, he rose again. That's why those of us who live 
should live for Him who died and rose again for our behalf. We should live for Jesus. And we have the commandments, we have the Bible as a, as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That's why in CCF, we preach, we teach the Bible. We don't give you our opinion. Your opinion is different from my opinion, right? But my opinion should be based on what God says. Amen? So let me show you this chart. Take note, when I'm going to show you this chart, in your mind think, what is wrong with all of these that I'm going to show you? All right? You ready? Here we go. What's wrong? Anything wrong with those? Anything wrong with the house? Anything wrong with having a car? Anything wrong with having a spouse, having children, a career, a boyfriend, a ministry, a Bible, fame, food, girlfriend, jewelry, Facebook, Instagram, shoes, clothes, friends, sports, looks, golf, family, money? Is anything wrong? Is anything wrong with them per se? Nothing wrong. Right? Some of this we want, some of this we need. Correct? Now, how about this? Is there now something wrong? Is there now something wrong? When all of these things in the box come in between you and God, then these things and many others becomes your idol. When you desire a house more than you desire God, when you desire friends more than you desire God, when you desire ministry more than you want God, when you want a boyfriend or girlfriend more than you want God, it's an idol. And God is holy. And he will not stand for idols. That's why the title of this morning's message, who's number one? Who's number one? Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for us being able to study your word not only to know it, not only to study it, but to be able to apply it in our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for the guidance of your word, for the interpretation brought to us by your Holy Spirit. And may you speak to all of us, Lord God. Let, let no one leave this sanctuary unchanged by the power of your Holy Spirit living in each follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We commit this time to you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Who's number one? That's the question I want you to think about this entire message. Who's number one? Because idolatry is adultery. There was this video of a wedding. You know, in a wedding, they would exchange vows, right? So the husband, the man, 
you know, he shared his vows, really heartfelt, deep from within his heart, that you will be the only one, that I will love you and cherish you and lead you and provide for all of your needs. And then it was the wife's turn. From this day onward, I will respect you. I will submit to your leadership as God has placed you over me. But for one day every year, I want to be single again. And I want to spend time with my former boyfriends and with my former classmates. What? Is that commitment? No. Like that one day a year? You want to get out of your commitment? That's adultery. Truly, truly, I say unto you, if you look another, at another woman and lust after her in your heart, you have committed adultery. Why? You have lusted after her. See? Idolatry is adultery. Because you have adulterated, you have mixed in certain people, certain things, certain desires to your complete and simple devotion to Christ. Why do I say this? D.M. Lloyd-Jones. David Martin Lloyd-Jones, the minister of Westminster Chapel for 30 years, says this. An idol is anything in our lives that occupies the place that should be occupied by God alone. So when you get married, it's supposed to be just between you and your spouse. No one else, nothing more. Anything that occupies the place of God is an idol. Where do we find this? We're talking about the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You see, we mentioned last week that rules without relationship result in rebellion. Now, before God is giving the Israelites the Ten Commandments, He reminds them of the relationship. What is this relationship? I am the God who brought you out of the land of slavery. I shared with you last week that God said, it's not because you were numerous that I brought you out. I brought you out because I promised to your forefathers that I would do this. He reminds us, the reason why I'm giving you these commandments is because I have established a covenant between myself and your forefather Abraham. And I am fulfilling this promise to you because of that covenant, because of that relationship. Now that God has established that relationship, He now gives us His command. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate, hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. So what is the message this morning? 
who's number one. Because he says, you shall have no other gods before me. He should be number one. No one should take his place. No one can sit on the throne except God. Well, sometimes we have this idea that God and I are co-drivers. Have you tried it? We have a lot of backseat drivers. But have you have, do you know of a car that has one, drive, one steering wheel and you have two drivers? Who's number one? Who's number one? Because idolatry is adultery. There should only be one. I only have two points for us this morning. I know you are pleased. <laughs> idolatry is adultery. The worship of the wrong God, small g. Because there is only one God, capital G. What do I mean? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. No other God. Except God alone. I thought Brother Peter was going to sing that. You are God alone. For in the good times and bad. You are on the throne. You are God alone. You shall have no gods before me. The prophet Isaiah says this. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. There is no other Beside me, there is no God. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Who created the heavens and the earth? God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. When there was absolutely nothing, there was God. Now we have a lot of religions today. But has any religious leader claimed that they created the heavens and the earth? By their spoken word, they created the sun, the moon, the stars, the expanse, the waters, the animals, and everything that lives. Whom can we compare God to? He says there is no one. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, there is no one like God. Who will you compare me? There is only one God. And you shall have no other gods before me. But man is so creative. Man is so ingenious. Man is so knowledgeable. So what does he do? Romans chapter 1. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. 
professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So what happened? They knew God. They knew of the existence of God. Believe it or not, there is a tribe in the Philippines in the province of Palawan who do not believe that there is such a thing as a sea or an ocean because they have never seen the sea. They know of rivers, of lakes, but they have never seen a sea or an ocean. So they don't believe it. But guess what? Oh, don't come near that stone because that is a god. Way up in the mountains, People all over the world have a concept, have an idea of deity. That there is a God somewhere. These people to whom, to whom the Apostle Paul is writing, look at what happened to them. They knew God, but they didn't honor Him as God. They knew God, but they, give, they did not give thanks to Him. So what happened? Their hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And then what happened? Exchange. They exchanged the glory of God for what? For an image of man, of birds, of animals, and crawling creatures. Remember when God sent the plagues to Egypt? What was God doing? He was attacking all of their gods. The God of denial, the God of fertility, the God of this, the God of that. And then finally, the final plague. The plague of the death of the firstborn. It was a picture of how God the Father would sacrifice His firstborn, the Lord Jesus Christ, to set us free from bondage to sin so that we could live a life that would bring glory and honor to Him. Do you know this person? Those of you who watch Lord of the Rings. <coughs> Do you know him? What is his name? Gollum? Schmiegel. But look, he was okay. He kind of looked normal, right? But then what happened to him? What happened? Precious. Precious. Oh, precious. What happened? Look at the progression of idolatry. Look at how depraved he became from the picture on, well, on my left to the person on my right. What happened? They did not honor God as God. They were ungrateful. Their hearts became darkened. They professed to be wise, so they became proud. Yet, they actually became fools. And then they began to worship. Instead of worshiping the Creator, they, crea they worshiped created things. And then what did God do? He gave them over. So what happened? 
you digress, you decrease, you decrease, you digress, you digress, you digress. From once knowing God to depravity of your sinful life. And look, it all started by being what? Ungrateful. Though they knew God, they did not honor God, and they did not give thanks to God. Remember the Israelites, all they do is complain and complain and complain. So be careful. I don't know what your idols are, but God will not settle for it. He alone should occupy that place. No one else, nothing else. That's why Isaiah writes in 42, chapter 42, verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to what? Graven images. Well, pastor, it's good you show that verse because I do not have graven images. I have destroyed them all. Okay? Do you love your wife more than you love God? Do you love your children more than you love God? Do you love that new golf driver that you bought more than you love God? Do you love that new car that you're so indebted already in your credit card because you really love that car more than you love God? Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. It doesn't have to be something that is tangible. Those of us who are in the pastorate, in the ministry, some of us, the ministry, the pastorate becomes the idol. Your D group can become the idol. Studying the Bible can become the idol. Why? You're supposed to study God. The Bible speaks about God. You don't worship the Bible, you worship God. The Bible is there to teach us, to tell us about God, but I should not worship the Bible. I should worship the God of the Bible. Anything and everything that comes in between your simple devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, is your idol. It doesn't have to be a graven image. For whatever you imagine it, that is your idol. Anything that comes between you and God is your idol. Where, where are these idols born? Hosea 5 verse 4. Their wicked deeds do not allow them to return to their God. Because a spirit of idolatry, what? Controls their? Hmm. Controls their heart. And as a result, they do not acknowledge the Lord. My friends, idolatry really an issue of the heart. Out of the overflow of the heart speaks the mouth. Where your treasure is, your heart is there also. That's why you, sometimes you hear pastors, 
you show me a Christian, show me his pocketbook, and I will tell you. Because where he spends his money, that's where you know his heart is. In CCF, we don't preach about tithing and giving and offering, right? Why? Discuss that in your small group. And besides, the Bible is very clear. You decide in your heart what you give to the Lord. For the Lord desires a cheerful giver. See, idolatry is born in the heart. The problem with that is, the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand the heart? We, I can convince myself, no, it's not really an idol. It doesn't really come between me and God. I only from time to time, you know, take a look over there, take a dip over here, you know. But that's not really an idol. Friends, that's between you and God. But the Bible tells us that the idolatry is born in the heart. It's not just you know, those graven images that we have or we used to have in our home. Anything in the heart can be an idol. So be careful. Because idolatry is adultery. Come on, Pastor. What do you mean? Well, James 4, 4 says, You adulteresses. What's the word? Adulteresses. So that's adultery, right? You adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Can I be more clear? You want to be in the world, you want to partake of the world, but you say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You and I are supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. That's why you have the church. You, you, you drive and then you see that sticker at the back of the car. What does it say? N-O-W with the cross in the middle. That's a church. That's their sticker. Not of this world. The T is a cross. N-O-W. But there's a T. Not of this world. You and I live in the world. But you, you and I should be distinguished from the world. You and I should live lives that are separate from the world. So be in the world, but not of the world. Now, if you befriend the world, the Bible is telling us, James is telling us, the world has become our idol. And God considers it what? Adultery. No one should occupy the place of God except God. Anything else is an idol. Adultery, idolatry is adultery. My first point was the worship of the wrong God. Second point is the worship of the true God in the wrong way. Pastor, is that possible? I submit to you that is not only possible, but that is true. And that happens even to us. The worship of the true God in the wrong way. But I know, I, I want to come. I want to worship God. But this is the way I will worship God. 
But unfortunately, what you decide on how you want to worship God is not in line with how God wants Him to be worshipped. Now, is that going to be consistent? No. So what does the Bible mean? Now look. Exodus 20. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above, on or the earth beneath, or in the water underneath. So I said, you shall have no other gods before me because I'm the only God. There is no other. Second, do not make. Do not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above, earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. What else? You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the father and the children and the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. So God said, do not make and do not worship. You get it? He said, first, I am the Lord your God. There is no other. Second, do not make for yourself any image for the purpose of worshiping that image. Because I, the Lord your God, will visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Fathers, I'm talking to you. Parents, I'm talking to you. You have the responsibility to model Christianity to your children. Some of our children are going to reap the consequences of our sin. So we better model Christ-likeness ourselves and not depend on their D-group leader, on their youth leader to minister to your children. Because it is our responsibility. But if you do your job right, look, showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. Some of you have your idols, cell phone. What's the latest cell phone? I got to have it. Big stealer borrow that new iPhone 8. I got to have, I got to be the first one. You see that in the news? He has a tent, he has sleeping bag. He is camping out there in Apple store in Pasadena. He wants to be the first one. And he was the first one. And then when they opened it, it fell. <laughs> he dropped it. Did you not see that? Yes. He was the first. So he, <laughs> God said, do not make and do not worship. Jesus Christ. Talking to the woman at the well. The woman was caught because Jesus knew everything, right? He said, where's your husband? I have no husband. Oh, you are correct. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you are with now is not your husband. What did the woman do? Oh. She sidetracked the issue. Our fathers worship on this mountain. What did Jesus Christ say? An hour is coming 
and now is. When the true worshipers, okay, see, true worshipers. If the Bible is telling us, if Jesus Christ is telling us that there are true worshipers, guess what? There are false worshipers. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the people the Father seeks to be His worshipers, God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So if you worship the true God in the wrong way, what is that? Idolatry. Because God says, I'm looking for true worshipers. And these true worshipers worship me in spirit and in truth. They do not need a graven image. Because faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things not seen. And faith is necessary because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Right? So I worship God based on faith. I don't need to see any image because God is spirit. But he said, worship in spirit and in truth. And what is the truth? Your word is truth. Whose word? God's word. So I have to go back to the Bible. When it means to worship God, what does it mean? In the Old Testament, every time you sin, you take... From the flock or the herd, male without defect, most precious, most valuable. You bring to the priest, you confess, you lay the hands. And it is a picture of you transferring your sin to the animal who will die on your place. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. But when John the Baptist saw his cousin Jesus, behold, Chino, behold. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So who is now our Passover Lamb? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the book of Hebrews tells us day after day, day after day, the priest offered the same sacrifice over and over again, yet cannot remove sin. But when this high priest offered once for all the perfect sacrifice, it is finished. You don't need to work for your salvation because Jesus Christ paid for all of your sin. And if you have Jesus Christ, you need to live a life, a life of allegiance only to God. Because I will not share my glory with another. And I will not give my praise to graven images, the Lord says. I showed it to you. So I must make sure that when I worship the true God, it is in accordance with His Word. And it is your responsibility and mine to get into the Word. So that when I come up here or any other pastor or preacher comes up here, you would be good Bereans. You would be able to open up your Bibles or your, your cell phones and see, is what this guy teaching or preaching in accordance with the truth of God's Word? Not some man-made opinion, but is it in accordance with the Word of God? That's why I always challenge you. 
If you are not sure when you're reading the Bible, something is unclear, guess what? Look for the clearer verse. Look for the clearer passage. Not just set it aside. Well, I can't understand it, so never mind. What can you not understand? Husbands, love your wives. You cannot understand that. It's very simple. Wife, what is your problem? I cannot understand. What? Wives, submit to your husbands in everything with respect. Is there? Don't get mad at me. Children, obey your parents. We want to be circumspect and teach the whole Bible, right? Parents, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Mm-hmm. Ah, see? Yes! Amen and hallelujah, all right? See, we, 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 we learn from the counsel of Scripture. When you come to us and ask us for advice or counsel, guess what? We will show you what God has to say. I have no opinion except what God says about your situation. If you come to me and I give you my opinion, please, Rebuke me. Because I'm not supposed to give my opinion. You and I have to look to the truth of the Word of God. That's why when we worship, we must worship in spirit and in truth. Some of you in the music ministry come to me. Pastor, can we sing this? Let's look at the lyrics. Huh? The lyrics doesn't line up with the truth of God's Word. We're not going to sing that. Why are we going to sing that? It doesn't make sense because it's against the Word of God. We're not going to sing that. That's why if you notice, we don't sing a lot of I songs. I, 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 I. Worship is about God. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. These are the worshipers that God desires. These are the true worshipers. Those who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. What did they do in Exodus? Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. And for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and daughters, and bring them to me. What did God say? Do not make for yourself an idol. What were the people clamoring to do? Make us an idol. It's been 40 days. Moses is still up there. Who knows? Maybe he's already dead. We need something to worship. We need an object for our worship. Make us an idol. What did Aaron do? Because of pressure. Okay, okay, okay. Give me, give me, give me. And then what did they do? Then the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took, from their, he took this from their hand, fashioned it with the car graving, graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God. This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. What? The molten calf is the God who brought them out of Egypt? What did God say in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You will have no other gods before me. 
And Aaron says, Here is your God. The one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Huh? It's man-made. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made the proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Why do you have an altar? What for? What usually is an altar for? For worship. And then what else did they do? So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, to drink, and rose up to play. What did God tell them not to do? Do not make for yourself an idol and do not worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children to the third and fourth generation, but showing loving kindness to thousands who love me and keep my commands. Idolatry and adultery, they're the same. You cannot mix. If I, what, think about your favorite drink. Soda, iced tea, milk. And I just drop just one. Just one. One drop of cyanide. You visit the doctor. Mr. Nolan, I have good news for you. We caught it early. Really. You just have a little, just a teeny, mini, teeny bit of cancer. You still have cancer, right? That teeny weeny drop of cyanide is still poison, right? Will you drink it? When you go to the grocery store and you like orange juice, squeezed from the pulp, nothing added. Yes, you know pressed juice, right? Or you go to the same aisle and look at this other orange juice and say, okay, mixed from concentrate. It is adulterated. They added something to it. So if you really want to make sure, you go to the fruit vendor and get the orange and see them, squeeze it. That is freshly squeezed orange juice, correct? Nothing added. It's not adulterated. It is pure. It's not from concentrate. It is freshly squeezed orange juice. Same thing. You cannot add anything. If you add anything, it's adultery. It's idolatry. Ezekiel chapter 6. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations to which they will be carried captive. How I have been hurt. This is God talking. And he's saying his heart hurts too. This is how I've been hurt by their adulterous hearts which turn away from me and by their eyes which played the harlot after their idols and they will load themselves in their own sight for the evils which they have committed for all their abominations God is hurt when you and I attribute something that we should attribute to God and give credit to someone or something else 
you were the only one you're the only one without a college degree and of thousands of applicants and they were looking for applicants with college degree you were the only one that they accepted without a college degree and you're a follower of Jesus Christ I'm so lucky where was God in that statement not there when you and I attribute something that should be acknowledged to God and give it to another my friends that's idolatry I will not share my glory with another but there's the other extreme too every time we walk it's praise God you, you know people like that oh praise the Lord I'm over here oh praise the Lord again I'm over here this time it's like we're dealing cards we should honor God with our lives with the way we talk the way we carry ourselves because we should be set apart we should be distinguished so when people see us in the crowd there's a follower of Jesus Christ there's another one over there here's another one over here that one I don't know he says he's a follower of Jesus Christ, but look at him. He's with the ladies, he's drinking, and then he's cursing, and this and that. I don't know. Well, he says he is, so, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to be the judge of these people. And we're not to judge. <coughs> Instead, when you see, you pray. You pray for that person. You pray for yourself, too. Because I'm not the judge. He's the judge. So in the measure that I judge another person, guess what? The Bible tells me. The Bible tells all of us. In the measure that I use, it will also be used against me. So better just focus on God and trust God and live your life for God. The problem is with so many ideas, we lose sight of what the main thing should be. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, his second epistle. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. But indeed, you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I, the Lord your God, am what? A jealous God. I explained to you last week. It is not jealous of. It is jealous for. There is a difference. And Paul is telling us, he says, I am jealous for you. I am protective of you. I do not envy what you have, but I am jealous for you because I want to protect your testimony. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Why? For I betrothed you to one husband. Paul introduced them to Jesus Christ. And what Jesus Christ has done for them. So that to Christ, I might present you as a pure virgin. Husbands, what is your role? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And to present him to her as a radiant church without spot or blemish. You're not only supposed to bring home the check. You're all supposed to lead your wife spiritually. 
So Paul has the same heartbeat. I have godly jealousy for you and I want to present to you to Jesus Christ as a virgin without spot, without blemish. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray. From what? The simplicity and purity of what? Your devotion to Christ. Christianity, being a follower of Jesus, should really be simple. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love others as you love yourself. On these two commands lie all of the law and the prophets. Is that simple enough? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Don't have any idols. Don't let anyone or anything come in between that relationship. And then what do you do? Love others as you would love yourself. How about my enemies, Pastor? Pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you. Because that is the gospel in action. Love God, love others. See, Paul is telling us, do not be led astray from the simplicity and purity of your devotion to Christ. But we have all kinds of things going on, add this, add that. It takes away from the purity and simplicity of your relationship with Christ. Just think about it. The first time that you encountered Jesus Christ, the first time, were you not happy? Were you not joyful? Will you not want to share with anyone and everyone, your family, your office, everyone? Hey, man, you know, I got born again and this and that. And that. Now, and let's call Pastor Insong. Maybe he can share with my office mate. Oh, true or not? They're just being honest, right? I don't mind if you call me, you know, phone a friend, Pastor. I'm here right now. I'm sharing with this. But I forgot that verse. What is that verse? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, by the way, he said that. Uh, okay, that's fine. No problem. Phone a friend. Ask the audience. Whatever it is. To help reach the gospel. Present the gospel. No problem. You see, but sometimes we want all of this mental uh, gymnastics. What is the gospel? I'm not going to call on Chino. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures. Then he appeared to Peter and the twelve. How, how simple can that be? Well, why did Jesus Christ die? Because the wages of sin is death. And if not for the death of Jesus Christ, you, my friend, are going to hell. But God loves you so much that He sent in one, His one and only begotten Son, that whomsoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. That's too simple. Agree. But it was never simple for Jesus Christ. Because He went to the cross for you. And you choose to attribute that to something or someone else. What is that? Idolatry. Let nothing 
take away from the purity and simplicity of your devotion to whom? To Jesus Christ, not to CCF, not to Pastor Insong, not to Pastor Peter in Manila. But your devotion should be to whom? To Christ. And only to Christ. As I close, the sin of idolatry that plagues the modern world is a me-first attitude that gives God leftovers in life. Who's number one? Who's number one? If this is you, you have to ask yourself, who is really number one in my life? If all I can give God is the leftovers, then who is number one? Joshua 24. Some of you have this in your houses, and I have this as well. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in, the, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. They're about to cross into the promised land. Moses is dead, and Joshua has been appointed to take over and to lead the people across the river into the promised land. And he says, Leave all of those gods behind and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the god of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve. The Lord. You can only choose one. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You will have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in any shape. You should not worship them. For I, the Lord, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children to the third and fourth generation, but showing loving kindness to thousands who love me and keep my commands. Idolatry is adultery. Idolatry is the worship of the wrong God, and it can be the worship of the true God in the wrong way. So who's number one? Let's pray. God, we humbly come before you, Lord God, acknowledging to you that we have idols in our lives. And in many aspects, you're not number one. We have people, we have things that have occupied the place that only you should occupy and that is idolatry in your sight so by the blood of Jesus I ask you to forgive us for not giving you our best for not making you number one in our lives 
And sometimes, Lord, we only are able to give you the leftovers. Will you forgive us, Lord God? And those of you who are here, maybe you're making commitments to the Lord Jesus Christ and asking Him to retake the throne of your lives. Just speak to Him from your heart. Maybe some of you who are here have not yet come to faith in Jesus Christ and have never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior or turned over your life to Him. The Bible tells us that as many as received Him to them, He gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in His name. I encourage you to consider your sin and how God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, paid for that sin so that you could enjoy a relationship with Him. Could He be knocking at your heart? Could He be asking you, calling out to you? And I encourage you to respond and respond in faith and even in your own words it doesn't matter to me it doesn't matter to your neighbor it matters most to God ask him to save you ask him to be the Lord of your life ask him to help you live out your life as a Christian to love him back and to obey his commands God Almighty, thank you for reminding us that only you are God and that only you should occupy that throne in each believer's life. We humbly submit to your Lordship again as we turn away from our life of sin and asking you to help us by your Holy Spirit so that we can live a victorious Christian life and that when people see us, Lord, they will see a life surrendered to you, but a life that is blessed, blessed beyond words, blessed beyond material things. And that blessing, Lord God, is the abiding presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ in whose name we pray all of these things. Amen and amen.